Welcome in, welcome in, welcome friends to the newest edition of Three In, Three Out. What if the most unique Seahawks preview game show, it's game show nowadays, in the multiverse. I am your host, Clinton Bonner. Find me out on Twitter, at Clinton Bonner. I am joined by the one, the only, the great, you know the whole thing already, Brandon Schultz. No whammies, no whammies, no whammies, stop. We, we need some of that. We need some big, big bucks plus a spin at Seahawkers Pod, of course, and the protector of Seahawks multiverse, Mr. Phil Lydic. I'm going to kick it to Brandon real quick. Brandon, okay, we're, we're sloshing around here. We're one and two. We got a big rivalry game. Are, are we shaking things off from last week? How you feeling? Getting ready for the Niners. Back-to-back whammies. It's it's time to uh, get off to a better start. And yeah, I, I've heard this thing that, about Russell Wilson that he's never lost three games in a row. What a perfect mm. time to end, you know, to just end that two-game losing streak against the San Francisco 49ers. I love that a ton. You get the you get the Michael Jackson whammy, you get the Tina Turner whammy, and you're like, I don't want the Phil Collins whammy. I don't want the I don't want the wham whammy. I want none of that. I want the big bucks plus a spin, but I'm willing to press my luck, which means I'm handing it over to the protector himself, Mr. Phil. How you doing today, man? I'm doing well, doing well, Clinton, thinking about game shows, and we have a feud coming. It's not quite a family feud, but when you talk about three X's, you don't want that third X, and I just can't imagine Russ, when he's up, allowing us to get the third X. Before we get into our game, good answer, uh, what if? good answer, <laughs> good answer, <laughs> good answer, yeah, that's that's what we need, we need a good answer, no X, it's, it's on the, board. the top answers are on the board, I'm looking forward to your guys' top answers here on our what if. Before that, um, universes collide. We have the Niner universe, the Seahawk universe. I did a quick watch of the Niners. You talk about pain. I mean, I had to watch Green Bay and the Niners, and some you want them both to lose. If there's a team not in the division that I just always root against the most, it has to be mm. Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. It was like, blah, the whole way through. I saw it was the good thing is, blah. <laughs> Nobody, anybody did something good. I wasn't happy. But anyway, during that, uh, real quickly about the Niners, they play tons of zone on defense over and over. Pretty inconsistent pressure, but uh, Green Bay, when they did max protect, they had max success, I noticed. So, uh, but Green Bay had to earn a lot of plays, but they were earning them. They were making good plays to earn them. I did notice the Niners are pretty grabby in coverage, lots of grabby, and they were getting a lot of laundry for that. Um, the run blitz was effective early. They kept loading the box, loading the box, loading the box. And it seemed like Aaron wanted to run into it anyway. And it still kind of works some of the time. Um, they seemed pretty good around the edge though. So gadge him up the middle. Rogers didn't really challenge their great linebackers and coverage They're They tend to be pretty good there. And, and Rogers didn't mess around with it. He kind of identifies what he wants to avoid and usually pretty wise on that. Rogers let him back in in the fourth by trying some bombs. He just kept bombing away and the Niners kind of got back into it. But I saw that success uh, with uh, Max Protect. I hope the Seahawks could learn a little something about that. Niners did have a huge kick return at the end of the half, and that kind of gave them yeah. some hope going into it. Then you move over to their offense, and I would say, of course, Mr. Shanahan is so creative. I mean, he is very creative. The pass pro was kind of meh, but in spite <laughs> of that, Shanahan's so creative, but he kept working things, and he found a way to have some pretty good success in the second half. I would also use the word fancy. I mean, we've heard Gerald Everett's supposed to be fancy. We're waiting for that. But uh, the, the Niners offense is pretty fancy. They should have been turned over more, though. Uh, Green Bay had some chances. 
receivers had a lot of the drops in the first half, but then Debo just took off in the second. And I know I'm with Brandon going into the draft. I was hoping we took Debo. And so every time I watch him, I'm still kind of sad. Uh, we didn't end up getting him. Uh, Jimmy likes to pass over the middle. So Jimmy's looking over the middle, especially on third down. Sermon's not real great, but he's good enough. The real problem, I'm going to end with this, the real problem I saw are Mr. Kittle and Mr. Juszczyk. They were killing the pack. And so the Niners just kept hanging around, hanging around, hanging around, and eventually they made it real close. And then I found myself somehow happy for Mr. Rogers doing the comeback there at the end. Any other Anything stand out to you from the game, Clinton? I got a couple things here. So number one, the, the Jimmy Eat world that he's eating the, eating the middle of the field. Well, that scares me because um, we have stunk at the middle of the field. So no bueno there. You mentioned Everett being fancy. Well, Everett has COVID, right? Yes. He's on the COVID IR list. So he out. I mean, obviously, hopefully, hey, hopefully he can get, no big he deal. Can get two he's, positive tests and, and or two negative tests, which yes. would be the positive version of the one the, the outcome you want yes uh, i yes, always get yes. that screwed and up <laughs> I, you're you're right you're right he can and uh we'll we'll see right this it's is positive thing. to be negative right <laughs> yes it's hip to be square they said the same thing about ab last week and he's still potentially not playing this week we'll see uh kittle's got a calf injury right now right so kittle is i don't i don't know if he's listed as questionable i don't think he practiced today i expect the dude to play but hey if kittle's a little bit limpy i'm, I'm okay with that so you got some tight end woes, but I also see maybe, you know, we got some other tight ends maybe coming back into the fold this week. We shall see about that. But that's, that's, uh, but I'm ready. I am ready for what if, Brandon, anything, anything before we, we do hit our game here. What if George Kittle just takes the weekend off just to rest yeah. that calf muscle and, you know, he can watch the game from the couch and just, yeah, take the week off, George. George, come on. You know, it's good for you. Well, Clinton was wrong about Dalvin Cook missing last week. He thought he would play, and he didn't play, and it didn't matter. But yeah. uh, So I think it would matter a lot, though, if Mr. Kittle doesn't play. So Clinton, just keep telling us Kittle's going to play. I want to hear you say that a few more times so that you can you can bring the same thing you brought last week with uh, Mr. Nice. Cook. Will do. Kittle, Kittle's a, a must-start in fantasy. Hit him. There we go. All right, so what if, what if, what if the game here this time – I wonder, and here, here we get to the title of this version of What If, I wonder if there is even a universe, you call me the protector, is there even a universe out there? I, I checked with the watcher, I don't know if he found <laughs> one, amongst all the multiverse of NFL fandom where Santa Clara doesn't house the most annoying fans in the entire NFL. I, I don't think the watcher has ever seen a universe show up where Niner fans are not the absolute worst so in honor of them in honor of them we are going to play a version of what if called bang bang whiner game bang <laughs> bang whiner game this is going to be an emotional show hypothetically speaking bang bang whiner game what if we have some tears of joy tears of pain and tears of relief all in honor of our favorite whiners down south of us so we'll start off with tears of joy. I believe this is a even week. So the first opportunity goes to Mr. Bonner. Tears of joy. What if we have some tears of joy? I saw Jimmy had a lot of chances for some turnovers. Mm. What if Jimmy has three turnovers? What will have been the secret sauce for delivering that giveaway hat trick? 
Well, that's a good question. I like that question. I like that I get to start off with, with joy. So thank you, Phil. I appreciate that a lot. Um, all right. The secret to our, our success here, uh, Michael J. Fox style, Goff and Jimmy G are similar in <laughs> similar in similar ways, right? If you give them all day, they can be competent. I think Goff's actually more competent than, than Jimmy G when he has, when, when he give, when he give him time, he's more accurate. You know, so I think it's pretty darn simple. I think it's, it's, we've, we've got to get pressure up the gut. We've got to get that crumple zone pressure we've talked about. And, you know, I won't, I won't steal another answer. Like there's probably an and there that, that, you know, Brandon may want to, may, may want to go at. I would like to see uh, Jamal Adams. I actually want to see mm. him blitz. I do want to see him yeah. blitz more though. So as, as part of that up the middle, Jamal Adams blitz rate is way, way, way down. And we talked about it on the on three and three out recap about Jamal kind of being caught in some like no man's land a couple of times where it's like I wouldn't even say he blitzed. He just kind of hung around the Yeah. He, you know, he didn't cover, he didn't blitz, he just hung around. So if you're gonna be a bear, be a grizzly, let's bring some pressure up the middle, let's stunt, let's use Adams the right a different way, and let's get that, let's get in the face of Jimmy within the first 20 minutes of the game, first yeah. quarter quarter and five minutes of the game. And let's see if we can get one early. Because to get three, probably yeah. gonna get probably gonna get one in the first quarter. Well, That's the Packers the Packers hit him eleven times last week. They hit him eleven times, and he still kind of did okay. What do you think, Brandon? If we get a hat trick of turnovers off Jimmy, what's going to be the secret sauce? I I do think that it's going to take some pressure. If it's not that, then it is uh, because of the hits that are coming on the back end. So if if Jamal is playing back, if Quandre Diggs is playing back and they're just they're closing speed and they're hammering guys as soon as they're catching the football, then I think that leads to to those moments from the 49ers receivers where it's kind of going off their fingertips because they're they're thinking about what's coming next. And, and yeah. when you start making the, the opponent think about those big hits that are coming then that's when those balls get tipped up in the air. And that's when you you're able to start picking off some of those tip passes. I think real quick, the ghost of Vernon Davis should, should, you know, infiltrate. <laughs> it's not the ghost of camp chancellor. Cause that, that man still walks the earth. However, I did see Vernon Davis's soul leave his body a few times. So if the ghost of the word is, the, it's still, it still roams the, the stadium <laughs> there at Santa Clara. <laughs> that's correct. So, by the ghost of Vernon Davis. That's it. Who's if, still if very much can, alive, but the, yeah, his, yeah. his, his football soul got, got it, left there. It did. So if that soul could, could embiggen or impugn or, or one of those things, that may be a word, uh, you know, some of those, the Debo's and the Ayuk's and maybe the Kittles, cause obviously he's definitely playing. Um, then, then, then yes. And I want to see that ball hit me pop up on Twitter and say, well, Brandon, that hit was at century length. That, that wasn't even down in Santa Clara. <laughs> say, save your tweets, people. All right. Tears of joy. All, all we need apparently is Jamal Adams to be inhabited by Cam Chancellor, and then we'll be just fine, apparently. And <laughs> yes. oh, and also be himself, just back and forth. Clinton has him be a little Jamal that blitzes, then he switches over to Cam and smashes the fire out of him. I agree. I want to see some serious Jamal. That we'd have some tears of joy if Jamal makes his impact on this game. Here's the next one. And, and I think a lot of us are thinking along these lines in, in a few ways. I mean, anywhere you listen out there in the Seahawk universe, I want to focus on the third quarter because the second half, the second half has been focused on a lot, but the third quarter should be the play callers adjustment quarter, so to speak. And our offense has 
adjusted the wrong direction. We've been awesome in the first half, but we've had six points in three games. What if Waldron improves his adjustment game, his third quarter game starting this week? What path will he have taken to make those improvements, Brandon? Hmm. You know, I, I don't even know if it's going to take an adjustment necessarily okay. apart from getting the coin toss because they just I feel like they haven't had the possessions in the third quarters these last couple games to even to even show that they can because, gosh, when you get one one possession because the other team's just eating time off the clock. So yeah. it's either going to take that or it's going to take third quarter turnovers and, and and that way to help get the the other team's offense off the field so you can have those extra possessions. So you're saying Waldron doesn't need to do any doesn't need to make any changes third quarter. I I just I don't know based off of the three game sample yeah. size if it is if it's an issue with his adjustments or if it's an issue with the defense. It it cuz to me so far, it seems like it's more of an issue with the defense and being able to to get the other team's offense off the field to give the offense enough uh, third quarter possessions. Okay, Clinton, what do you think, Brandon? The the time possession is is glaring, so there's no. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I do still am going to you know stand for my obvious guy here, right? Which guy had 12, 12 rushes last week, and only two of them in the second half. Which dude only had two targets last week? It's Chris Carson, right? Yeah. So I, it's, and I, what I, so more specifically, I don't want to, you know, if we're up into going into half, cool, or it's a tight game, cool. I don't want to go out there and like, you know, pound the rock, like run, run, run. Like that's not what I want, but I do want Chris Carson touches. So I don't care if they're out of the backfield. That doesn't matter to me. I don't care how you get them, but making sure that that dude gets the ball early and often in the third quarter is going to be, I I think that is an adjustment they can make and they, they can try to make happen. Um, if we have nine minute drives by the opposition to start the quarter, it becomes difficult no matter, no matter how you slice it, but that's it for me, man. Like more Carson touches and specifically I want to see Carson targets. I want to see, and not necessarily screens either flats out of the backfield. doesn't have to be a screen. And if they get the screen game going, then, then, you know, all right with that too. Okay. Back to our bang, bang, whiner game. Tears of pain, tears of pain. We had tears of joy. Now tears of pain in his press conference on Monday, coach Pete expressed his frustration with both the pass rush and the corner coverage. If the Hawks can't make Jimmy G uncomfortable, in this game, game four, whose fault will it have been? Whether you want to do pie slices or just say top guy, whose fault will it have been if we can't make him uncomfortable, Clinton? Well, I mean, there's, I think there's the obvious answer that I want to, I want to try and avoid. So I'm not, not even gonna, not even going to say the name there. Um, the bottom line for me is like, I can look at all the glaring issues and if we're not getting pressure and we still have huge cushions because Trey Flowers is still out there. Well, then that is head coach Pete Carroll's fault because at the end of the day, he makes that call. He's going to, he's going to talk about it with it, with his, his coaches, et cetera, et cetera. They have options. They've got to explore those options. Marching a dude like Trey Flowers back out there again. It's not an acceptable strategy. It's, it's just not. He was never close on any of the plays. The cushions are gigantic. 
He, he owned an out on three in three out this week for disgusting, disgusting play on the, uh, the, the wide receiver screen. And he's just not it. So if he's still the dude and we're suffering, that is the head coach's fault. Nobody else's. And I can't point to anyone different than Pete Carroll, but I will say it in a little bit different way, because one of the things that we've seen these last few weeks is very much a passive strategy. You know, try and keep everybody in front of you. Don't allow the big play. Well, the thing is, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw the ball deep. So if you're yep. playing back and not allowing the big play, then you're, you're really doing that for nothing. And so I don't want to see the defense playing back. I want to see them all within about 15, 20 yards at the most of the line of scrimmage, because that's the area that they're going to attack with Garoppolo at quarterback. And so if, if Pete doesn't have that strategy going into this game and also just doesn't put more of an emphasis on trying to be aggressive and turn the ball over rather than allowing just those little dump off passes over and over again, then, then yeah, it's going to be Pete's fault. Well, building off that along the same line, because nobody said his name and, and I know everybody has to have a scapegoat. And basically you've heard just three people and you guys have talked about Pete and Trey Flowers. Here's the other one I've been hearing a lot. If the defense looks like it has the past couple weeks, what should, if anything, be done about Ken Norton? I don't think it's realistic to expect anything to be done with Ken Norton uh, as far as any kind of personnel changes. You know, if you were to move on from your defensive coordinator, that's not going to happen. I would say, though, that if his players like Trey Flowers and Ugo Amadi are actively saying that they don't understand the coverages that the the defense is running, then yes, that's a Ken Norton Jr. problem. And if he is making things so complicated on this defense that they have to think more than go out and hit, then that goes directly against what Pete Carroll's always wanted with the defense. So if they have to go back and simplify things a little bit for some of the younger players, maybe, it, then that's Ken Norton's role right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think um, here's the deal. If, if it's a couple of weeks from now and it's not even that many days from now, if it's like we got Sunday is in what, like, I don't know, I can't do math right now, throwing the math at myself here, but if it's like 10, 11, 12 days later, we have two more games coming up. We got that Thursday nighter. If we're sitting, if we're sitting at one and four, um, I think heads a roll. And I know, I know it's, I know it's like, that doesn't happen that often in the season. Pete Carroll wouldn't do that. Um, sure. Sure. Maybe, maybe so, maybe not. I don't think we've seen a team, this Seahawks team with Russell Wilson have to go into pure desperation mode. And then how would they react to that? Because at already at one and two, it's, it's not just the cracks in the foundation. It's all the noise, all the, all the noise of, well, that's it. This is, this is Russ's last year. Like they can't turn this around. Another season wasted of, of, of him and his prime. If that goes to one and three, and we march into uh, the Rams game after that on Thursday night. The Rams are playing good football. That goes to one and four. I am not so sure that Pete doesn't do what he has to do to try and win the the crowd back, if you will. So that that's my that's I mean, and it's actually maybe a bit of wishful thinking. Uh, <laughs> I think it's one hundred percent wishful thinking. <laughs> it might where, be, where do they but... go? Where do they go if if they decide to make that move? Well, Pete could take his microphone and <laughs> yeah, 
he could take the playbook. Run the strategy. Say, I've I've got this, and and you know I've got my guy. My, I got Shane the main brain on the other you side. You know what so though? He be, could do that cool. without firing his longtime bestie uh, since USC. Yep, it's likely more of the the uh, the gentlemanly play where you know behind the scenes he he commandeers things a bit more on defense, which I think he did last year. Right, so we shall see. So yes, yes, I want him to get fired, but I don't want one in three. Well, this is the teary path. We want to get away from that. But I had one more along with the offense before we move to tears of relief. If Russ is under heavy pressure, which Niners will need to be neutralized and how will the Hawks overcome? Well, I mean, you're saying he's under heavy pressure. So like neutralizing the, the big guys up front, you know, the Armsteads and the Boses sounds like that's not what we're talking about here. So um, are you flipping it saying, hey, which who do we need to neutralize on the offense to kind of Compensate it or well, defense I, I understand it. it'd be Armstead, Ken Law, Bosa. If he's under heavy pressure, um, do you have an idea of who we need to watch out for, which side a little bit, or how should we overcome? Should we overcome more? Do you think doing some max protect like the pack did, or just lots of quick stuff? I mean, we don't have Everett this week. I know you already talked about getting it to Carson in unique ways. Uh, how do you think we should overcome if, if, say, the first half doesn't go awesome like it has been, and instead now we're adjusting to all kinds of pressure? I kind of you know, shimmy and shake a little bit about the idea of, of collapsing into max pr protect um, because then I think it's going to take away a lot of the, the dynamics of what, of what Waldron wants to go do with, uh, with, you know, three tight ends. I mean, three, three wide receivers or, or two tight end personnel. We'll see if we have, uh, you know, a second tight end that that's really valuable this week or not or capable. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't have, I don't have a good answer. My answer is I, I don't have a good answer. I'm going to pump this one. Take it a mulligan. Chuck it deep. Chuck it deep. <laughs> chuck it deep. <laughs> but that's what we always do. We always <laughs> chuck do it, it deep. anyway. Well, we, we did see, uh, we did see Aaron Rodgers have some success doing that where the receivers would just blow down the field past their corners. And Until the, the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah. The receivers would blow by him. Rodgers would throw it up. He didn't even need a whole lot of time. He just dropped back and, and let it rip. And there were that's how they got out to that early lead. It, it seemed like so many of his plays were just drop back, let it rip. And the receiver yeah. would run under the ball and, and they'd move it down the field into scoring position. So the answer that I want to give, again, is not a realistic answer. You know, if they're if they're getting bombarded by the pass rush, then that's when you got you don't have to do max protect, but you can you've seen what other teams do. I, I've seen. um Oh, who did the screens? Well, and and screens <laughs> in the yes, well, that is one good way to do it. But again, not a realistic option. Uh, but <laughs> you you did see earlier on the season. I'm trying to think of the opponent where um, they they kept in the uh, the either wide receivers or the tight end and just gave a, a little shoulder to Bosa as he's going out for his route, yep. and and it just it totally threw Bosa off his game. And and it allowed for those little quick dump off passes. Now, yeah. I, I don't think Seattle's going to do that. So chug it deep. <laughs> Going against check against the Niners zone. They just stay in their zone. They remind me when I was coaching like U10 soccer and I'm like, you don't have to stay right on your spot. You can actually help your <laughs> teammates out a little bit. There's a player kind of in the zone. You can go toward that player. Yeah. <laughs> so like the Packers would send two or three receivers and the Niners are all staying in their area and allowing the protection to just wait for somebody to smoke them. Anyway, that, that'd be painful if that's happening. Let's get to some tears of relief. Bang, bang, whiner game. And just that, <laughs> that last tear kind of comes down your cheek and it's got a big breath of relief right after it. If Russ is able to pull this game off in the end, 
what will be your first rush of thoughts and which one will you share with your nearest and dearest 40 Winer fans? Yeah, the the first thing that I think of is just how how many people I know who are in that San Francisco Bay Area who I, I want to reach out to because they, it gave us this opportunity now with them losing to the Packers that this this gives them the chance now so we can have an equal record coming out of this week with a win and they'll be in the basement because we'll have the tiebreaker and exactly so that's you you got it locked and loaded um and then you you just um you say well you know uh jimmy g's super handsome um you know he might he might need a couple more years before he's back and ready you guys might just have to to stink for another year or two before you know you can really get things going down there sorry Brandon's really nice, Clinton. What do you got? He is. No, he let's is say, nice. let's see, it's, it's being nice, but kind of in that yeah. passive aggressive condescending way. <laughs> yes. So they really, they really feel it deeply. Yes. <laughs> they, they know that all too, they know that all too well out in Cali, the, the passive aggressiveness. Um, so for me, the, the first wave of relief is I want to head out to Twitter because that's the fun. That's going to be fun anyway. Right. So I want to head to Twitter for a couple of reasons. Number one, I want to look at the sanity check. Like, hey, we win this game. We're two and two. And hey, one of the Cardinals or Rams are going to lose, you know, barring a tie. So one of those dudes is going to drop a game. And then we're right back in this thing. Right. And then we have the Rams coming up in, in, on a short week at home. Um, so it's like I want to head to Twitter and I want to kind of gut check a couple of accounts that I follow that I just feel like went off the freaking rails after this loss and just went Went so negative, so south, literally ready to pack it in, ready to, you know, hand Schneider and say, hey, he can no longer be GM. He's lost it, like rattling off all these terrible draft picks, yada, 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 who want, you know, want the whistle out of out of uh, Carol's hands. And yep. I, I want to absorb that first and foremost, like from like our fans, our fan yes. base. Okay. And the nice part is while I'm out there, there's going to be lots of lots of, you know, you know, what kind of talking, uh, S talk and back out to the, to the, to the Weiner fans as well. So I'm a, in a Northeasterner, right? I'm a New Yorker by nature. I live in Connecticut. I got one, one really good friend of mine. His name is Dean Rothman grew up. He was our first baseman in high school. Great dude. He was actually the bat boy for the New York metropolitans in 1986. He was at the freaking world series as the bat boy. Yeah. Crazy. So, and he's a Niners fan. So the dude is the nicest dude in the world. Like he's, he's so he's Dean is a Dean is a saint. So I will send Dean some, you know, funny texts about, uh, about us beating his team. Uh, and I'll rub it in. I'll rub it in thusly knowing yes. that the nicest freaking dude in the world uh, is, is going to get a l- little rubbing. That's all I got out here on the East coast. So I'll take all my, I'll take all my energies and my, my fun and I'll bring it to Twitter where, where the, where the snark, where the snark lives. You know, you did bring up an important question though, Clinton. Yeah. Is at what point do you like if if the Seahawks lose two in a row, are, are you moving to the dark side of Twitter? Uh, this would be three, though. This would be three. Right. If we go if we go one and three with the Rams coming up on a short week, um, let, let's let me put it this way. If we're two and three after week five, I would sign for that right now. I'd be OK with that. I'm OK with being two and three after week five. In one and three, I'd still hold, hold out hope. I'm an optimist. Uh, however, we, I'm on the verge. Now, I won't go dark side. I won't go dark side, Brandon. I, I, even at one and four, I'll say, hey, soft spot. We can get back in this, get to, get to three and four, get to two and four, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, but inside, I'll, pro- I'll, I'll probably be lying a little bit on the outside. Yeah, when I, and when I was thinking two straight losses, I was thinking of the two games coming up. Oh, so yeah, that okay, would, that gotcha. would equal oh, four straight oh, dear, losses. Dear, yes, yeah. but... See, now you're playing what if, Brandon. You're trying to drive us back into the tears of pain. Tears of... I know, People we li- passed that. I'm sorry. Yes, you're driving back. <laughs> Wrong segment. Thankfully, I think people listen to Clinton because he always has a, he's got a, a way to look forward in a positive spin. And typically Brandon's that way, but he's trying to balance us out a little bit with a, <laughs> a drive. I already had three questions on tears of pain. Well, I guess we need another one. A little bit like our earlier three in, three out where Clinton would try to have an in. And then I heard Brandon try to turn it back into an out. I, I think you're trying to push Clinton to see if he might join the dark side. I don't really know. I, I but, wanted uh, to get the fourth whammy in there. And that's uh, <laughs> what we had to do. Clinton was moving towards something. This is the last question, but uh, we do think about a game individually, but an overall vibe, right? So if one side of the ball takes a big leap forward, and that's what I'm looking for. What if one side of the ball takes a big leap forward this week, which would make you feel more relieved and why? Like, okay, this season really starting to look good. The tears that I had, they've cleansed my eyes a little bit. Now I'm seeing beautiful. If one side takes a forward, how relieved would you be? It's actually, for me, this might sound counterintuitive, it's the offense. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see the offense put together a full game. And I realize it's, you know, it is the sober yin raging yang that if you don't have time possession, it's difficult to do things. With that, if we put together a full four quarters of what's possible for our offense, we don't, A, we don't lose this game. We don't lose this game. B, we put the rest of the NFL back on alert that the, you know, the obituaries were maybe, maybe a little too soon for the Seahawks. And it's because I've seen Pete Carroll resuscitate what looked like a broken defense numerous times. He's done that. Schneider has done that. If something is still broken, I think by week six, seven, eight, they will either have figured it out or at that point it's then the season's too late. So I want a full comprehensive game at least three quarters plus of really good play, hopefully four quarters of really good offensive play. So we could be like, you know what? We still went out there and put up 38 points and uh, we, you know, we won this game 38, 27, something like that. That's what I want to see. We can score 38 against this team and we should. I agree. I don't care what the score is, but going off of the theme of the offense, I just want, because I think this game is going to be close. I think it's going to be a one possession game at the end. These games always come down to that. Probably. I want to see Russell Wilson do the game-winning drive thing. Oh, yes. And close out the game that way. I think you're right. I like that. Yeah. I like that. So I like that, both that could answers. be that could either be, you know, game-winning drive field goal, game-winning drive touchdown or game-winning drive to, you know, to kill the clock, right? Where where we end up in in victory formation. Like I think Well, if we do that, then I think then I think we're happy that the defense helped get the ball back to where the offense could uh could close well, out but that sometimes, way. but sometimes you get the ball back with like 4 minutes to go and then you drive it down to like you know from your 25 to their 15. Oh, those are fun. But and and you're yeah those are those are actually the best, aren't they? Like you bleed 3 yes. minutes and 45 seconds away and you watch their soul evaporate and then you take victory formation. He's like, "No, we're good. We're done now." That that would be Then you got that. your answer to your Niner fans. That last drive sure was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Precise. Oh, oh, Dean Rothman, you got it coming now. All right. Well, after less than an ideal last couple of games to the season, you know, I was all stoked for our first week and I had all my Seahawk gear. Last couple of games, I didn't wear it. I wanted to bring the energy, even though nobody sees it when they listen to podcasts. Got my Seahawk gear back on. And I really feel like as we close out, we got to 
bring the energy. If we really want the what if to take place, we got to bring the energy. So Brandon, Clinton, what if we really said go Hawks? Go Hawks! Go Hawks! Go Hawks! Go Hawks! Yeah!